0: Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And now your host, she used to be known for her sweet tooth and has recently rebranded herself, Dr. Grace Lee.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Career Revisionist podcast. Today I have a special guest and her name is Liz Ronnie Howard. Now Liz is a really special individual. She has been coaching leadership and she's a dynamic professional and she has had a very interesting career history. And so when you listen to my conversation with her, she's going to share how she came from the corporate world, you know, and transitioned from that from academia into the corporate world and what that meant to her and how she navigated into her path in starting a business. Called Called the Leadership Coaching Group. Now I met Liz when she invited me to be a, a, a guest on her podcast and if you hadn't had a chance to listen to it yet, her podcast is The Leadership Coaching Group and she hosts the podcast. She in, invites a lot of guests on her podcast just to share their stories and their definitions of leadership. So listen to my conversation with Liz where she shares very openly and very honestly of what it was like for her to be in the corporate life and the corporate world and how she chose to go into each into each stage of her career and how she navigated it into starting her own business so thank you for listening and welcome to Liz Ronnie Howard hi Liz I'm so awesome I'm so thrilled that you are here with me today thank you for being a guest on career revisionist hi
0: Grace it's my pleasure
1: Awesome. You know, it was really cool because a couple of weeks ago I had met you, you know, you had, I, I chatted on your podcast and talked about, you know, the, the leadership coaching group and we talked about leadership and we talked about career and also about future. So I really enjoyed my conversation. And from that, I was like, okay, Liz, I think, you know, let's chat about you. I'd love to have you um, <laughs> tell your story to my listeners and, and give your insights from your, from your background on leadership. So thank you for being here.
0: Oh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And I loved the conversation that we had on my show. So thank you for that. Right. So you have, if, if my listeners, you're listening to this right now and you haven't,
1: if you haven't listened to her podcast, go and check that out. It was a leadership coaching group, right? That was a podcast.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's us. Awesome.
1: Liz, why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself? I, mean, I, I kind of know your story and your, your, your professional background, you know, how you help people, how you help organizations. So could you let us know, just kind of like a, a, an overview of where you came from, you know, where you came from in academia, you know, previous work that you've done and how you got to starting and launching the Leadership Coaching Group.
0: Sure. So, I think my story fits in very well with the career revisionist podcast, most certainly because uh, there was a lot of revision that happened to to my plan as I was a young adult, and then um, from that point to this point, I, I started out um, in school studying business and uh, with a focus on marketing. When I had some really great experiences, I was able to work for some pretty well known companies um, that my professors actually sometimes started. And a great, great internship. It's great, you know, I think start that way. But I realized that something just didn't quite fit right. As I was studying marketing and being told to create a need, I I just didn't feel comfortable with that. I'm I'm okay with addressing needs, but creating needs for the sense of profit. I don't, I just, I understood the business concept, but I wasn't comfortable doing that work. So after I graduated, I did what, most, you know, young 20 something girls do. And I moved to South Korea for a year and decided to teach English. And um, it was a really grounding experience. Um, I didn't speak any of the Korean language before. um, But you know, you had to learn to some extent because I was in a very small rural town. So just directions if I was in a taxi or basic conversational skills, um, and just learning how to adapt to a different culture and living across the world when when you're alone. Um, and that gave me a lot of time to be introspective and think about my priorities and what it was I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. I saw how influenced I was by everything else while I was there um previously you know through your social pressures and and whatnot and so it was it was challenging I, I think that that time in my life was very challenging because I was rather alone um but it, it was it was healthy so when I came back to the u s was kind of like, okay, ready, set, get a job. Mm -hmm. So I did. I just got a job and I forgot, or maybe I simply didn't know at that point. I'll I'll credit it to some naivete. I didn't know to sort of interview the company back. I didn't know that a best practice would be to find a boss that I wanted to work for and kind of look like professionally in the long run. Mm -hmm. So I had this really kind of bad corporate career experience where it was just the grind, you know, and there's there's really no better way to to say it. It was a sales job. Um, they the business model is very much you know high volume of employees in, high volume of employees out, and it didn't really matter um to them that that was what they were doing because they could always be bringing in more people. Um, so I, I ended up shifting to a different branch of the same like huge conglomerate billion dollar company, um, and. <laughs> I can't tell you, Grace, how profoundly negatively that time was impacted me. I, I saw the worst forms of leadership, I think. I, I also think I saw the shallowest form of myself where I was just like numbers and data driven. Um, I got very sick. The, the hours were insane. I think I was, you know, most, most people, most women won't, won't feel sorry for you for this, but I lost a ton of weight, but it wasn't intentional. So I was really underweight. I think I may have been depressed and I didn't know it. My body was shutting down at the age of, I don't know, like 23. I had shingles and gout and my body was just saying, stop. (laughs) And I didn't, I didn't take the hint. Um, I had a, a really bad new boss come in that put me in some really, really inappropriate and unprofessional situations. And when I spoke up against that, I was instantly fired, Um, And when I tried to take legal action, lawyers told me that the company was too big and that they didn't recommend it. Um, So I really had to stop and think about what all that meant to me. And and I've always been goal-oriented. I was always like the good kid. So getting fired was an identity crisis for me because I had no idea how to process that. I thought I was working hard and doing the right things. And all of a sudden, here I was. With seemingly nothing, you know. I, I was sick, I was tired. I I thought that if I stayed in just a little longer, my resume would have been stronger. That was my motive, is like my resume and the strength of my resume and how it would look. And um then all of a sudden I wasn't in control of that. You know, it was just gone. And on top of that, then I'd have to go out on the job market and say, not only is that tenure not there, but also I was fired, you know. <laughs> That's the opposite of what you want to do. Yeah. So um I decided to do again, had to go. Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm just, I'm just curious. I mean, what was it, the motivation when you were saying, I I just wanted to get a job. I wanted to get a job. What was, what was going on? What were, what was, what were you feeling? What were you thinking there where you were just motivated by that? What was the motivation?
0: Mm, Mindset. So I had this vision in my head of what a successful corporate woman was supposed to be. And so I thought that that was a corporate job. And I thought that I would be climbing the corporate ladder in high heels and a cute suit and you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> rocking through my career that way. And and it was it was not it was it was shallow. I mean, I think I, I I'd use that word again. It just wasn't a well-formed thought process. So it, it was all mindset. Okay. So what happened next? So I decided to um take a step back. I worked with a dear family friend of mine who's always been a mentor. And his name's Richard, and we actually um, do our, the work that I currently do together now and um, we we spent a lot of time talking about where my strengths were and where I would be well suited and I continued kind of in the same career path for a little while, but all along the way, he and I thought, what if we created something together instead of doing what is already out there and following a path that 's been created by someone else?" what if we took our two experiences and kind of smushed them together because we we are coming at things from very different angles. Richard is a baby boomer. I'm a millennial. Um, He was a submarine officer during the Cold War. He worked as a nuclear engineer. He He has a really, really interesting background. And he trained submariners before they were allowed to actually go on the submarine on leadership specifically. And through, even though I thought that my career was, a little bit traumatic from that big corporation. Um, I did have a ton of leadership training in a very formal and academic sort of way. But then I realized like, hey, these leaders, like they're not leading, they're managing, but they're not really leaders. So what is this training really teaching? And how can we do it differently? So I had some ideas and we took from Richard's military experience and my corporate experience. And we just started putting a curriculum together And we thought, you know, I don't know if anyone's going to be interested in this, but let's just write some blogs and start a podcast and see what happens. And thankfully, you know, fast forward a few years, um, that's what we're doing full time as a career right now. And we're working with some really great companies, um, amazing organizations. We primarily work with military and research organizations. But um, yeah, so that came together and, and now we're helping people kind of not fall into the traps I guess that I did to learn some lessons a little more quickly that you know Richard let, kind of learned along the way and um, yeah here we are on your podcast. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome so uh,
1: tell us I mean I, I'm some of my listeners are interested in starting their own thing as well you know and 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 just trying to think about okay what, what skills do I have to start something and and put something out there in the world that isn't there before right if you can share with us. How did you, what are some of your processes on how you thought about what value do I want to add out there in the world? You know, how did you, how did you think about that?
0: Yeah. So I think the big one, and especially when I coach younger professionals and certainly women, one of the things that I have learned Is that you have to believe first and foremost that you do have value. You know, that it is your turn to take a seat at the table and that your unique experiences have value. Um, Because I think that it's easy to, I see people on, on these extreme sides of the spectrum where either they're, you know, very excited and passionate and they haven't thought about, you know, what they're gonna do or they don't have enough confidence that they have something to contribute. So I think really keeping a good, healthy balance of, what is your unique perspective what makes you you and realizing that you, your voice really can have an impact on some people and it's never going to be all so don't worry about it you know being one size fits all because that that doesn't exist um but find your niche find you know what you're super passionate talking about that's something i worked through mm-hmm. i thought about what really just gets me fired up or excited or <laughs> i can just talk about forever and um or, or that you find people just kind of come to you? Do you find that people are just coming to you out of the blue, sending you emails like, hey, Grace, what's a good way to, you know, to change my career path? Or, you know, how, how do you deal with conflict when you're faced with it? And when you start to see these trends, then other people can also sort of help you find that niche. So um, have confidence, be balanced in that, and then really find find your unique thing by listening to your heart and then listening to when others come to you for advice. That's great. That's a really good framework. You know, what you've
1: given really was a, uh, an overview of a, of a framework that you could use regardless of what industry or interests that you have or if it's business or another career. So it's, you know, it, it's very applicable, right? And I'm really curious because, you know, a part of what I talk about on on the podcast is about academia and education, Right. So you you went through you know what you went through college you you said you studied marketing uh, so i'm i'm curious do you feel that your the the things you learned in 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 college and academia did they help you to get to where you are at today and were there if if like what, what were the limitations that you found of in academic education
0: hmm yeah that's a good question and i i think it's hard for me to answer um So, yes, there were things that I benefited from, certainly. And I think that one of the pros of academia is learning to be around others with different philosophies and different schools of thought and um, having the practice in communicating and sharing your ideas and philosophies when they differ and doing it in a productive and conversational way. I think that that's a skill that, um, well, our entire media could benefit from right now, quite frankly. But um, I, I think when it comes to career and everything else, that is a finesse skill that academia helps regardless of what you're studying. Um, to some extent, I'm, I'm sure there are elements that I do use in the back end of my business practice um, that, that helps me keep the, you know, the ship afloat, if you will. Um, in terms of the actual consulting face-to-face work that I do, It's a challenge for me to to kind of pinpoint and say, you know, I got my consulting skills from academia. That said, I think if I were to go back and have a little more experience and sort of know the focus that I want to have, I think I could pull a lot more out of it. I was just so young and (laughs) just kind of following the steps that I thought you were supposed to take. So I don't know that it's not the institution's fault. It's probably that I didn't quite know what to glean at that time. So if anyone was interested in taking like a year off or going back for their graduate or terminal degrees with some some experience, I think that that might be really interesting if you feel like you're in that same boat where you kind of sped through the first part. Um, Just having some experience and knowing where you want to focus, I think that could be really, really, really valuable.
1: That is knowing where you want to focus, right? Let's talk a little bit more about that. How did you figure out where you wanted to focus in the end?
0: So I'm going to give the same answer as I did to the first question, and I'm going to say mindset. I was very angry at the company that I worked for and um, the manager that was the last manager I had there. And I was listening to my internal and external narratives and they were negative. And I thought, you know, no one wants to be around a negative person and I don't want to be this person. So I'm going to have to heal and I'm going to have to move on from this. And I thought, so how on earth do you do that (laughs) in a realistic way? Um, And what I realized is, you know, you have to give others what you need and then it comes to you. And so I started listening to other people that were in really challenging work situations and I could be there with them. And I was like, hey, I get it. You know, I, I went through this thing. I, I almost killed myself working extremely long hours, you know, drinking the company Kool-Aid, not being there for my family when I should have been, you know, because I had another networking event to go to or whatever. Yeah. And here was my experience. But you know what? You're not alone. You're not trying to do a bad thing. But let's look at what you say your priorities are. Versus how you're actually spending your time, and if that's not in alignment, then how do we shuffle and and make it line up a little bit better? So I was doing that just informally, um, kind of as a friend, kind of you know even people, my esthetician, <laughs> and I would work through that while she was working on my skin. It was just super funny. Um, so just baby steps, and I just did it, you know, as a friend really, or as a support person, and then it kind of grew into a career. So I didn't rush into it. I didn't brand myself as a leadership consultant on day 1 of, you know, wanting to start a career. In fact, it took several years of me still working a corporate career and doing a side hustle and kind of finding my voice before I was able to launch this.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful. I mean, that's that's a very that's a very prudent way of doing it, right? Because you're not rush. Well, first of all, like you said, you're not rushing into things. And also because on a practical standpoint, you know, you have to have the financial capital to start a business, right? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And so I guess my question is, as you were figuring this out, you know, you were working a corporate life and finding your voice, did you have any mentors or coaches or or people in your life that were important to you to help you induce your skills and your natural gifts and talents and to help you draw out a game plan to launch this?
0: Always, always, always. I think that that is absolutely vital. Um, so like I said, my now kind of business associate, Richard, was certainly one of those people um, My mom was always very patient with me and would always listen to me. And even just that act of listening um, and having someone to bounce things off of, and she would pick up on big trends of what I was saying, that helped a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and there are a few other people throughout the way, but I I think that beyond a doubt, you have to have mentors. I still have mentors now, and and I I hope that I will, you know, throughout the entirety of my career. it was interesting. I recently met a man who, I think he said he was about 86 years old. He had a very prestigious career um, working with some huge companies. He traveled all over the world. He spent half of his adult life in, I think, China and all these other places. And we were working he for a volunteer organization, and he asked me for some help on something. And he flat out asked me to mentor him on how he should be kind of approaching some social platform things, which I'm definitely not an expert in, but um, (laughs) I was just so impressed by that. And I think that's the philosophy that I aim to take and I would encourage others to take too. You know, there's never a time in your life where you can't learn something from someone else, regardless of how many decades you have of of a certain type of experience. There are always people that are experts in different areas and having different conversations just kind of keeps you on your toes. So I've had them and I hope I always do.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is a wonderful story It's a wonderful story because really your knowledge and your experience all of that defy age right because you mentioned he was an older guy and you know so it really defies age well how would you how would you define expertise
0: Oh expertise well, I think um, it probably comes down to a lot of confidence um, once you've kind of been there and uh, seen a situation, and then I think have done some reflection and gotten some feedback. I think a lot of people go through their careers and they get really, really good at a thing. And sometimes they get promoted into leadership roles and they're not really good at leadership. They were good at the thing. <laughs> so they stop being experts. They'll say, well, I've been in my career for 30 years. But the fact of the matter is, they were specialists for 25 years and they've been managers for five, for 25 years. And then they're managers for five years. And it's like, well, you you don't yet have the expertise in leadership. Um, So I think when you've spent the time, you've done the reflection, you've gotten some feedback and then you've actually tweaked a little bit. So if you've made an adjustment and tried kind of pivoting left or right, and then found kind of where you fit, where your philosophy applies to the role. So it's not just I'm following a job description. I'm not just doing as I'm told. I'm being guided by what I know to be true in this situation because I've tried the other things. Mm -hmm. And I know that this is right for me and my muscle memory is so strong that I almost don't have to think about it. I can be on autopilot and do the right thing based on the organization's needs and by my personal philosophical needs, and still, you know, find that sweet spot to get it done. And I think that's what true expertise is.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, I talk to a lot of folks who would just love to launch into a different career direction. You know, maybe the company they're working for has been has been mismanaged or or they were laid off or you know, or they just woke up one day and realized they're just so unfulfilled with what they've been doing. They never liked it all along, but somehow they just ended up here. And they want to go in a different direction. But one of the main challenges that I hear people tell me is that I don't know which way to go because I only know how to do this. Right. I've been doing this for for 10, 15, 20 years. And that's the only thing I know how to do, but I don't want to do that anymore. So I don't, I don't have anything else. You know, what would you take, what would you say to someone like that?
0: I would say that's not true. (laughs) You don't only know how to do this. Um, There's a lot of skills that are behind any work that we do. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if you are a, I work with research scientists, I'm married to a research scientist. So I'll say, if you're a research scientist, you may think that gathering data and um, comparing data points and you know, ideologies is all that you're good at, but you also probably have experience presenting to very technical groups. You can speak in a way that, you know, a very, very niche group needs to be spoken to and not everyone can do that. So there's a niche that you have, um, you know, perhaps you're very, very astute at writing strong papers Well, being a good author, especially for a certain group is a niche skill that you may have. You could perhaps do something there. So I would challenge that very strongly and I think I would sit down with someone and say Let's really look at all of the elements that play into the work that you're doing Mm -hmm. And look at how you're flexing different skills at different times And do you love any of it? Is any are any pieces of this you may be very very frustrated with your job and and that's valid and And we're going to acknowledge that but is there anything that you actually love that's incorporated in it? and if so Let's dive deeper into that and see if you do have some experience to launch off of something that you've been doing for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, a,
1: you know, and that's a great approach because people who need that, who, who need to, or feel that they have to transition to a different career, they might feel stuck because they don't know how to think that way. And I find that we box ourselves in that this is the only thing that I know how to do. Cause I, was, I went to school in it. I was trained in it. I worked in it and that's all I know how to do. But if you look at, you know, the, the way the education system trains you, they teach you all this knowledge, subject matter expertise, but they don't teach you how to package it and how to organize your knowledge mm-hmm. and deliver it into invaluable wisdom that you can get paid for, you know, and I think right. that's right. And this is where coaching comes in handy is where we ask the right questions and we take a look at your, your millionaire assets that you can put out there. Right. And then adduce from, adduced from you. Okay. So what do you have? What knowledge do you have? And how can that be applied in different market verticals? You might not Absolutely. want, this, right? Exactly. You might not want this industry, but there could be market verticals that you would kill it in, you know, you would, you would thrive there. So I, 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 I totally, I totally love what you're saying. So when you, Would you say that that was kind of like reflects your journey as well, that you looked at, okay, what did I, what did I take in school and what happened in corporate? You know, you kind of, you said it was in part naivety going into corporate and then, you know, that ran into some challenges. And now you, would you say that that's what happened is that you took a skill you had and applied it to a different vertical?
0: So yes, yes, absolutely. But the caveat there is um, what we were talking about before by having good mentors. So um, I did have one of my mentors saw in me something that I wasn't quite ready to see with this type of work and kind of gave me an opportunity to explore it on a very, very part-time basis. I mean, we're talking 10 hours a month um, and contribute to the creation of a leadership class. And so in in a professional setting that I was being paid for that was going to be implemented I was very much um I, I had top cover from him. He was gonna ultimately be the name in the face, but I was in sort of a support role to it. Um, but he believed in me and he believed that I had something to contribute. So yes, that you know, that sort of initial piece of understanding that you do have expertise and you do have something valuable, but also Coupling that with a mentor and someone who has an even broader perspective about how to apply that, and maybe, like you said, it could be through coaching um, or through finding the right person, but let let them kind of help you see how to apply that and then what it feels like to apply it the right way, because I think people can burn out very quickly if they think hey i 'm going to do this thing and i 'm going to launch a business, and i 'm going to try to you know go out on my own, and you don 't really quite yet know who your audience is and, and how you should be doing that. So if there's a way to have someone help you kind of package it and figure out what it looks like to do that in the best possible way, in the best business sense, then I think you're going to be more successful. So, so that would be a tip that I would offer.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, there was something that you said just there. You said he believed in you. So I want to talk about imposter syndrome. I mean, did you experience that along your career journey at all?
0: Oh, yeah, (laughs) definitely. Um, I think it's interesting because I was able to get my first consulting gig in a very amazing and prestigious organization, a big company and smart people all around me. And, you know, I was probably at least 30 years younger than everyone that I was talking to. And so I'm coming in there as the voice of organizational cohesion and organizational change and leadership development. And they're like, who is this young chick that's coming in here talking to us? You know, you can you could just see it. And. At first, I was like, I don't know who she is. Like, she wants to be good, but I don't know. And then <laughs> it took me a little time to be like, Look, like, you guys are world-class experts in what you do, but like, you're not great at working with people, and that's okay because I am, and I want to help you, and I want your organization to be strong and better, and I want to help you be awesome. So we're gonna do this. And um, but it, it took a little while for me to be like, Here's my philosophy on why I'm sitting at this table. And why I should have a seat at the table and um, just kind of remembering that. And then it it helped negate the imposter syndrome. But yeah, and I think that there are plenty of times um, that that imposter syndrome can kind of sneak up uh, all the time. So it's just really knowing your values and knowing how your work reflects your values and then going back there anytime you feel it. And I find that to be the supercharging battery to uh, keep the imposter syndrome at bay.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. aligning to your values i mean we will do everything if it is an alignment with our highest values you know that is something yes. that if it's if our activities if our daily activities if our work if our life's work aligns with our highest values we're always going to be in flow no one's going to have to remind us it won't be, we won't dread it you know it's like highest values. so how how would you yes. i'd love to talk about that a little bit unpack that a little
0: bit how would you define values so they are the things that are the non-negotiables for you that at the end of the day, if you've lived by these like two or three points, you can sleep well at night. You can get up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and feel proud and ready to face another day with energy and um, happiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that they are, that, that's what I spend the majority of my coaching on at this point when we're not working with organizational Like big organizational issues, when we work with small workshops and groups, that's what we work on, is defining your core values. And really, it's two or three things. And if people can come up with two or three things, it's actually a lot. It takes a lot of time, and it's very hard. I think most of us want to think that we know what our values are, but if I were to stop you and say, and I won't do this, but if I were to ask any of your listeners, you know, you tell me in the next minute what your core values are as a business leader or as a human being. A lot of people don't know how to articulate it very clearly because we feel it in our heart, but we don't think it enough in our head. And so we have to make that connection between the two. And I also encourage my leaders to start to speak these things publicly and that's very hard. You feel very vulnerable if you put this stuff out there because then you have to own it.
1: <laughs> you say it, you have
0: to own it. And, <laughs> but it's so healthy and it's so good for you. And the more practice that you get doing it, the it just allows you to laser into your calling. So um, yeah, just those things that that you cannot cross the line with. That you you know you have to be true to. And anytime that you haven't been true to, it's like it, it just breaks you. So just two or three things. Um, they're very personal. No ones are the same. There isn't a right or wrong answer. But um, yeah, I, I think the, the trick is knowing how to speak them. Mm-hmm,
1: absolutely. And as a leader, right, we are serving the people that we lead at the highest level, which means we are leading them to become better versions of themselves. So knowing our own values is so important to serve them better, right? Because when, when, when we know our own values, and we speak them And we project them, you know, and we are, we clearly articulate them and we know them clear for ourselves and we live according to them and we can better show up for the people that we lead, especially if you're leading an organization, right? Then um, the organization performs better if you know the values and the, and the values are what drives the organization. Were you, sorry, what were you going to say?
0: Well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, well, you think about some of the, the best leaders in the world and they talk about what they believe and what they feel. They don't talk about what they're supposed to do. I mean, if you go to the Martin Luther King speech, you know, I have a dream. He He's saying something that he envisions as something very important. Or, or when people talk about um, JFK when he was talking about the space race uh To, I think it was, was it Rice University? And he was talking about why it was important for the US to get the first man on the moon. And it wasn't because we needed to be superior to everyone else. It's because not only did we want to get a human being to the moon, but it was so important to us that we valued that life that we brought them back Mm -hmm. alive and well. And that's what made us different. And that's why we needed to be present in, in that space of space. Um, you know, and you, you, when you hear people talk about their true philosophies and they're coming from a heart place, then you want to follow them. That's, that allows you to actually be a leader with followers. So you have to have those values and you have to be able to talk about them so that people know like, yeah, I want, I can rally behind this. I believe in what you're saying and I want to be a part of it. And if you can't create that vision and bring that heart element into it, I, I just don't think that you'll be as successful a leader as someone who can. Yes, absolutely, totally agree. So Liz, what are your top three values? So very much. <laughs> These have have changed, but I think that um over the years, because I, I thought when I was really young, you know, I thought being successful, I thought being, you know, a female that was kind of breaking those kind of glass ceilings was important. And I thought, um, you know, just always kind of getting to the next step were, were what were very important to me. Um, now, I really, really very much value um, what you were talking about, remembering that when you are given a voice, that there is a higher purpose for that. So if anyone is willing to listen, that I need to be thinking about them and I need to be thinking about how to help them and I need to be thinking about making that message of use and positive. So definitely being of use, um, living with ethics and uh, I, I have spirituality in my life and so that's very important to me. So staying in alignment with the, those ethics and spirituality mm-hmm. and um, and I think empowerment has has been a really big one for me too. That empowerment of myself and of others in a very different way than I ever thought that, that that was supposed to show up. I think a lot of power comes from vulnerability and that shakes people to the core when you talk about that. When I've talked to my my really high-level business leaders about being vulnerable in front of people, they're like that this isn't the place to do that. And <laughs> we'll we'll eventually get to a place where they agree that it it is necessary. So I think empowering others to be in touch with their heart and empowering myself to have confidence that it's okay to do that too and to speak about that too. And it doesn't just sound cheesy or fluffy because I, I think I worried about that a lot when I started out. Um, so that, that's a big one. Yeah. yeah, that is awesome. That's awesome.
1: And, and knowing that values can change you know, as we go mm-hmm. through different stages of life, they change. But it's about having that self-awareness, right? of, okay, this value has been serving me, this value hasn't, or you look at the outcome of your life or your business or your career. And if it's not quite what you desire, you're not quite satisfied or fulfilled in it, then it's like, okay, what were my values at that time? And were they serving me?
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. So Liz, I mean, you do a lot of great work with individuals. You do a lot of great work with organizations and with other leaders, too, who have achieved a high level of success. What are you excited about for the future, you know, the future of work, the future of the marketplace? You know, what excites you about it?
0: Hmm. A lot of things. So I'm really excited about the way that the workplace is changing. I think it's really cool that there's opportunities for remote work and um, for more of a a real, I guess balance never happens, but to have a little more of a healthy mix with the way that we do work in life. Um, As a new mom and a business owner and someone who travels all the time for work, I really see the importance of putting the things that matter, like, you know, I have, I have a baby in the room next door, you know, he needs to come, he needs to come before anything, but the way that the workplace is changing, it allows me to kind of still contribute professionally and do a lot and be there for, for this little guy. Um, So I think that that's really cool. The conversations that are coming out from the top thought leaders all across the world right now are really interesting where we're talking about things that matter, like uh, how people are getting promoted and how, you know, from a new mom perspective, how we are kind of addressing taking maternity leaves and Mm -hmm. um, mentorship or mentoring. And, you know, I think the conversation is just becoming so much more human focused Mm -hmm. and I'm really excited about that. Um, I think that if we can keep on that track of treating our employees as humans, leading from the heart, um, really thinking about how to best serve now very sophisticated audiences and very sophisticated customers that need just, they, they demand like great quality things. And that's awesome. That's exactly where we should be. And we should be doing really, really good work instead of just, well, we're a big conglomerate and we can get away with taking advantage of people. I think um, people aren't tolerant of that anymore, or at least less so. Um, So I'm, I'm very excited about all of that.
1: That's amazing. And you know, every business is made of people, you know, people power is what's going to drive things forward. So if you don't take care of your people, right, it's the bottom line. If you don't take care of your people, then what else is there? Right. So what, what's next for you? What's next for you? What's next for the leadership coaching group?
0: Yeah, so we are doing a lot of what I just uh, kind of alluded to a little bit. Um, so we very much are present in a few organizations, and we we teach leadership classes, and we do focus groups and strategic planning. And I love every every single piece of that. Um, but we're starting to do more small group workshops. So we're going to travel to different areas to work with individuals that just are passionate um, about improving their own mindset, building their confidence, knowing their values, and then living them out professionally and personally. So we're going to be doing, um, again, it's it's going to be a little bit slower because <laughs> my my time is, is being a bit compromised right now in, in the best possible way. But um, so in the middle of 2020, we'll be offering some of those. We're also launching some online classes um, so that people who are busy and are doing things round the clock, can have access to a community of other like-minded leaders. Um, They can sort of learn some of the things that Richard and I have come by through our our years of being coaches and then also through our own leadership journeys. So those are the two big things um, that are taking a lot of time and energy and we are just super excited about.
1: That is awesome. So where where can listeners get a
0: hold of you or find out more about you? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, just, I think the best place is our website. It's theleadershipcoachinggroup.com. And um, there's links to our websites and our, or our website, that is our website. There's links to our podcasts and our Instagram and ways to contact us there. So I think the, the website's the best place to go, theleadershipcoachinggroup.com. That's awesome. Any final thoughts
1: about career, you know, about work Future work or or generational working with multi generation any any future uh, any last words you would like to leave for listeners?
0: Yeah, I think really ultimately um, be kind to yourself. It, when you're in a transitional stage, it can feel very overwhelming. It's easy to second guess yourself, but take a deep breath. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself credit for wanting to think beyond where you currently are to the next place. And, you know, talk to someone that you trust that respects you or loves you that can kind of help you navigate where you want to go next, because I believe I may not know all of your listeners personally, but I do believe that whoever you are that's listening, you have something very, very important to contribute and you can do that at a very high level. So go easy on yourself, get a little plan in place and um, find someone to help you with the journey. And and I think that you're going to get to where you want to go there you have it that is an awesome overview thank you so much Liz for
1: your insight you know for your positivity and your transparency and just sharing sharing with us your story thank you so so much
0: oh well thank you for having me on Grace I appreciate it it was my pleasure